This episode of the Wedding Film School Show is brought to you by Musicbed, the best music licensing platform for wedding filmmakers. Head over to themusicbed.com and enter our code WFS on checkout to get a free month on your annual wedding subscription. Now, on to the show. Because I've, I've watched so many filmmakers out there that are wedding filmmakers where they're always, always using vows as the narrative art. I like to approach weddings the same way I would if I was on any other production. At the end of the photographer's you know, session, I, nine times out of 10, I'll be able to have my own kind of thing, but I'm not kind of forcing the issue. I'm still making friendships. I'm not, you know, throwing my elbows around. I think that's so important. We have endless guests come on and just be like, it's a team effort. What would you say to a filmmaker who's like, okay, I suck at posing. What would you say to them to get them more comfortable, to get them started with posing? You're not giving them this like massive action being like, okay, now cry, now laugh, hug, now kiss, now make out. You can really lean into these like, tender, soft, unspoken moments. And I think that's what a lot of people are maybe afraid to do. Just go for it. Hey everybody, welcome back to Wedding Film School. My name is Jared, here again with my business owner, co-partner, all these things, Person. Jason McCutcheon. How's it going, Jay? It's going good. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Uh, you know, I feel like every other week we're getting sick up here in the Northeast. It's just kind of one of those years. I think it's called having a two-year-old. Having a two-year-old is definitely a big part of it. Yes. Uh, for sure. They're, and she's not even in daycare. So I'm like, where did no. she pick these things up? I think it's because the children are weak. Yeah. Well, They're just weak bodies. They're just absorbing every Ill illness that comes their way. And then they hey. just also, but they're also generous. Yeah. And so they'll share with you. And totally. so it's, it's a, you know... It's one of those things, and I and I mean I've been there. My child is sick as well, literally today. So um, yeah. I get it. You know, I just think of it like this: in every way, parenting just makes you stronger, Jared. <laughs> yeah. Like, you like you spend your like early like you you get strong, you get through high school, you get tough, right? And then you spend your twenties just becoming weak again, right? And then you have a child, and it's like you got to get toughened up for that last stage of your life. And yeah. I think that's parenting in in general. So, um, you, before we get into today's guest, which I'm really excited about, um, I wanted to just remind people that if you're interested in, you know, like it's great to listen to a podcast and it's great to join a Facebook group and have conversations. And But what's really great, I think, is to actually take your work, put it in front of someone who knows what they're talking about or doesn't in my case, but put it in front of someone and have, um, <clears throat> get feedback. And so I always encourage people, like we do a weekly film critique on the channel what in film school, if you would like critique, if you want to get better, um, if you just want to hear a different perspective, I think that's value is like, it's not about objective, right? Like I know, and you don't, it's, I have a different perspective. I have a different way of looking at your work than maybe you do. And so I think it's always good to get outside perspective. So we have a lot of fun on this show, right, Jared? Yeah, I think so. I think so. Uh, usually every single week, uh, you know, in addition to uh, being helpful, hopefully it's also entertaining and fun. People uh, did not like a Ray Roman. They were mad at me because I was interrupting Ray. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but I was going to say this. I was like, if you had a conversation with Ray. You so. have to interrupt Ray. Yeah. <laughs> he'll to, never. To, to ask him an actual question. Otherwise, he'll just be. He'll him. go. He'll go. <laughs> he'll just go. So so regardless, I um, want to encourage you, head over to weddingfilm.school. 
Um, there's a little, you know, live film reviews or critique or I forget, actually forget what the button says, but it's right at the top. Yep. Click on it and um, submit a film. Um, the only thing I let people know is if you want to support the channel, we do have memberships over on YouTube for you to join. Um, if you want to just support us, um, but also if you want to get some priority in the line for film critiques. So yep. that is my um, shameless plug today, yep. Jared. So submit and then also every Thursday, this is when this is happening, every Thursday, 1 p.m. Eastern As Standard of Time. Submit your films uh, within 24 hours if you even want us to see them, <laughs> I would say. So. And I would say this is as of March 23. If you're listening to this in some future time, we might have changed the date. But we'll sure. always do film critiques. Good so. good disclaimer, Jay. I love we'll, it. So We'll always do film critiques. It's part of our DNA. So we have a guest today, Jared. Who is it? We do. We have Andrew Abajian. Andrew is a filmmaker, photographer, director, and just all around cool guy. Andrew, it's awesome to have you on the show, man. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And And you're coming to us from California today, but you are soon to be a native Tennessean. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. Yes. Uh, currently in Orange County, California, born and raised, never left, but doing a massive move, massive shift to Nashville, Tennessee in just over three weeks. So it's it's coming up nice. pretty quick. Big. I, I love so. both areas. Uh, Nashville is probably one of my favorite places to be. I think if we didn't have so much going on up here, that would definitely be uh, an option <laughs> for for my wife and the family. But uh, yeah, man, that's that's pretty I mean, exciting. Ironically, it's <clears throat> like in my head, I've always said like, "Oh man, if I were to ever move, where would I move?" You know, you kind of like romanticize where you might go or what you might do. And then I was like, you know what? I want to be a cowboy, but I don't want to move to Texas. So <laughs> Nashville is like always been in the back of my head of like maybe just just maybe one day yeah. see i, I want to be one of those chance <laughs> i want to be one of those rich jackson hole cowboys Heck yeah. <laughs> Heck yeah. that would be nice to be one of those cowboys uh, so andrew um kind of describe some of your work for you know someone who's listening to the show who maybe hasn't watched um some of your films which i would recommend to everybody who is uh on here go on to instagram uh take a look at your work but kind of describe your, your films describe your work and just kind of what's important when you're making wedding films yeah um i mean a, a word i try to lean into for a theme is, is cinematic i think a lot of in over the, the years people describe my work as cinematic or vibey or sometimes epic and for me, being someone that comes from a background of going to film school and the ultimate goal one day being a, a writer, director, or a DP on something, and, and having background in photography that started in journalism and editorial work. Uh, when I do weddings, it's part document documenting, but another part of that is kind of understanding and revealing what's this underlying narrative that these two people share that's brought them together, and how do you tell that story uh, that's not just based around like one particular day um, like I tell clients all the time like this is about your love story but it, we're just so happy in, to jumping in to tell it on this one day on your wedding day hmm. and so I like to approach weddings the same way I would if I was on any other production um, looking for three acts looking for some underlying narrative structure that's different from vows um, to to lean into and i think when you pair that with really good music and, and good cinematography then you can you can make really really compelling films that are just visually engaging 
Um, they have a different sense to them. And that's always been the structure upon how I've tried to create or, or try to lean into and, and continue to grow that and get better as a director um, in everything I do. So I think cinematic is the the main underlying lot theme um, that we try to build on when yeah. I go out and do I, something. I think like you kind of touched on something there and we'll get into it probably later, but just a definition of cinematic, right? Like I think people use cinematic to mean bokeh or has a drone or just, just, just a video camera good in looking, general. Right? Yeah. I think what they mean is it looks better than my phone. Right. Like a lot of people are like, it's good looking or there's a gimbal push, which I think is funny because I almost never see a gimbal in a real movie. But um, <laughs> I mean, they, yeah, all that stuff. That being said, um, to me, when I think cinematic, I think exactly what you said. Like, like I always tell Jared, like I'm a big Kurt Vonnegut fan, right? And when I take like, you know, I always refer to the shape of stories where they just draw out like this is a story arc. This is a traditional story arc. And it's almost like I loved like kind of what you were touching on there, which is how do you take an abstraction, which is a relationship that is materializing in one day and like make that one day represent this abstraction? Yeah. Like, like, how do you do that, right? And it's all about narrative threads and, like, all these things. And I think that's really smart. You see that with all the best filmmakers, whether it be, like, Alex Douglas in Sculpting with Time. Like, he might do something a little more um, actually really abstract, like dealing with time or dealing with themes like that. And then there's, like, more down-to-earth themes about relationships and people. For you, like, you know, you mentioned this. Like, how do you go about kind of um, – extracting that from the couple, getting understanding what the themes are, and then, you know, pulling on that string a little bit and kind of inserting it into the wedding day. Like, what do you do to get, so that your films are more than just documenting a day and they become cinematic and they become a story? Yeah. Yeah, one one thing I do at the top is I'm asking new couples inquiries, like, what's their favorite movie? Like that is the last question in like my first initial response to any client. I want to start to get a feel for what are they attracted to in cinema? Like what, you know, is their comfort film or what is their director that they like? Cause then I learn a little bit about who they are and then I can start almost framing a bit of a narrative arc mm. based on like that, att that attraction. Um, so you, when you find common ground, so it's like, if they're like, Oh, I love, Christopher Nolan movies. And it's just like, okay, awesome. We can go nuts with this couple because <laughs> they really like those kind of movies and, and their love story can, can come out of that or, you know, others, it's, it's more like rom-coms, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think that relational building and just getting to know them and, and figuring out music beforehand um, as well, it, it helps you frame up, okay, what can I do creatively to create that narrative arc that's not vows? And I'm pretty adamant about that because I've, I've watched so many filmmakers out there that are wedding filmmakers where they're always always using vows as the narrative arc and i think that's fine i think you can do that but i think when it comes to vows everyone always kind of makes these overextended promises or you know you get lines like you know i vow to do the dishes when i'm tired and things like that <laughs> and to me that's not necessarily you know saying that's not necessarily like ro romance and it's really hard as a, a director being like, okay, how do we make a, a movie out of this that doesn't feel necessarily like 
cheesy because the lines. Well, it's 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 you, also like not you, authentic to who like you, you. We all have seen that groom who's giving vows, who it's actually nothing about who they are. Yeah, it doesn't represent their personality at all. Yeah, it doesn't even represent the relationship. It's like, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's a it's a it's a ritual, you know. Yeah. Like I'm not anti that, but it's like one of those things. I, I totally get it. It's it's how do you get someone's authentic personality out of? You can't just use vows. Yeah, yeah, because that that right there would just that's documentarian style, and mm-hmm. you're, you're just you're just gonna capture what comes out. And this um, to me, cinematic. You're you're trying to direct something a little bit more out of them, a little bit more intimate, a little bit more authentic. Um, so a lot of questions through the days. And when I first started, we actually were doing like on-camera interviews, which I don't do anymore because it's harder to get time. Yeah. Um, I probably pissed off so many photographers <laughs> being like, hey, can I just steal the, the couple for 10 minutes like without you around uh, so I can sit them down and have a conversation? And and we used to ask the same questions to them separately. And then their film, they didn't get to know what the other person said until we released the film. And that became the, the narrative arc is them telling and sharing these different things and one of the questions that we used to ask was uh what does the other person's love for you mean to you like really touch on the point like they're saying yes to you forever on this day can you tell me like what that how does that make you feel did you do that before or after the um before okay before um and those authentic pauses those beats those moments of emotion you know, as they're, as they're preparing for that, you know, ritual, this, this big moment was, I loved it. Like I loved it. Cause it, it was those moments where I was like, we're making a film. We're not sitting here as wedding films. We're, we're actually like making something that it feels very emotional and intimate and authentic. And it was beautiful. And I loved it. We don't do on camera anymore, but I still ask a lot of those questions as we're in the day. And just allowing those kind of moments to just take shape because you're engaging with the couple. You're, you're showing them that you're an advocate for them and that you care and that, you know, you want to celebrate with them. And, and I think that intentionality allows a little bit more honesty to come out in the way you're framing or doing different things. And then you can you can roll camera yeah. and, and be in it with them. And I think that's where you start getting a difference between cinematic and documentary is, is one, you're just there to just receive and and go cut and the other one you're there i think to add a little bit more intentionality a little bit more relational direction um, with a couple and then see what kind of responses you're getting out of that yeah it's something that i um i love about your films andrew is like you've always tried to look at different perspectives and kind of customize it to the couple i think you were one of the first people i saw the first film that i saw from you um you were one of the first people i saw use voiceover completely you know shot you know recorded on a separate day using maybe even like a voice actor um to either recreate the vows or i don't even know where that source audio came from it almost seemed like stock audio of like uh, a, a joyce poem or something that was just incorporated into the film and it was just beautiful it was like incorporating something that maybe was near and dear to the couple um, to to showcase who these people were. And I thought that was super creative and, and really awesome. How do you think um, you get the buy-in from the couple? Do you ever have people that reach out and they're like, hey, we want this super you know artistic, cinematic type wedding film, but 
uh, maybe it's harder to get them to buy in? Or do you think everyone who's approaching you kind of knows the deal, they're bought in, like uh, kind of explain maybe that part of the process? Because I think that's hard for a lot of uh, aspiring filmmakers to like, you know, do you put the, what comes first, the egg or does the chick come first kind of thing? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, first, no, I don't get clients that are, they're on, they're not always all this. I mean, a lot of yeah. them, I would say 90% of them are still nervous to be in front of the camera. They're still a little nervous about maybe some of the concepts, you know, like, uh, like I've had couples where last second, I just was like, you know what? We're in a spot right here. Can you guys just speak affirmations over each other? Like spur of the moment on the fly and in their nervousness, they go for it. They do it. And you get kind of like that nervous laughter that awkward, like, and, but to me, I love, I love that. Yeah. And I think it's because I'm passionate about what I'm doing and the way I'm communicating it and showing that excitement being like, you know, and that encouragement. I think that's how you get people to to have some buy-in um, and, and others. They're like, no, nope, we're good. We just want to use that house and that's yeah. totally okay. And, and that happens, that happens all the time. And uh, I'm not anti-vow or speeches. I, I think that those are great windows into also seeing who they are and, and what they're about. Um, but I think it's a little bit about taking some of those risks and, and putting out the ask and then, and then selling it with your own passion being like, I think this would be really cool. Like I was telling think, that to you know? a planner the other day. Um, Cause you know, like part of my job is to like convince planners to let me do things that I want to do because we're firmly in yeah. like, we gotta, we have to work with other planners to get the budgets. And you know, some of them are like, Oh, cause I think the thing with planners is they all think they know the, they might, by the way, know the couple better than you. Um, but they are really confident about that. And so you'll be like, something, something, something I want to do. And they'll be like, well, I don't know if they're really that type of couple. And exactly what you said, I'm always like, let me talk to them. Let me try to get them excited. Let me sell it. Mm. And I think that's the key is like, when you get a gig as a creative professional, you're not done selling. You have to keep selling your ideas. And some of that is exactly what you said. Like if you're enthused and pumped, you're going to make, that's going to be something that you can use to pitch the idea and make people more comfortable. It's like, trust me, you're going to look amazing. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be so fun. Like, have you found as you, most of us are on like kind of this career trajectory, right? You're charging a little more, you're doing a little bigger weddings and all that. Have you found that the, as you kind of make your way up the ladder, so to speak, that it's you have to sell your ideas more um, because maybe you got to get that buy-in. You don't have the time. You don't have has. How has that changed your filmmaking? Because it's very personal, very intimate. As you've kind of um, grown your business. Yeah, I mean, I think this is going to sound weird, but I feel like weddings are all going to have a flow the same way, regardless of the budget up or down. I think it comes down to, it just always comes down to that relationship with the couple. And I think that's never going to change. So you always have to be really passionate about what you're doing and what you're trying to create in your collaboration effort and, um, and being okay, taking shots and, and being shot down because the cup, like they might not, you know, agree to everything. And I, you know, I've had small budget weddings where they wanted nothing and it was a really hard day as a creative because you're, you're, 
the sandbox is very small that you're working within and trying to do your best to pull out a good narrative line. And then I've had the biggest weddings in the world where they're like, do whatever you want. Like we're in and it's like, and you feel released. But I think at the end of the day, you're still going to put out the best possible work that you can do as a filmmaker. Cause I think you got to really care about what you're doing to begin with, to have that kind of passion and mentality. Um, I mean, the big weddings are more fun and, but sometimes again, you get the big wedding and you have no time. Like you said, the coordinator is, is running the show. Um, the photographer is, you know, over dominating and, and you're just kind of strapped, uh, to, to do and take what you can get on a, on a day when you feel like you should be able to have such more large scale, you know, creatives and concepts and so forth. Yep. Totally. Let's talk about that relationship. Cause I, I think you're an interesting person to talk about photographer relationship because you are a photographer. Um, and, yeah. and you know, for a while you were kind of, were you splitting at 50, 50 or were you doing kind of mostly films and some photo? Like how, how did that kind of come about? Yeah. So I actually started as a photographer, Actually, no, I take the back. I was doing both. I've always been doing both. I was going to say, I started in photography, but then I realized like my, my first year in running and was actually doing uh, like one of my first films that kind of introduced me to weddings was um, Drew Holiday and Lauren Holiday. So Drew Holiday plays for the, the Bucks, the Milwaukee Bucks. And, and Lauren Holiday at the time was on the U.S. women's soccer team um, when they were doing World Cup stuff. So that was like one of the first films I did. And the only reason I got into that is because I did the coordinators film. Cool. Um, yeah. And so it was like, okay, we're in. And, and I started taking what I knew how to do and trying to apply it to weddings. I mean, I didn't, I had no idea what I was doing from a wedding perspective. <laughs> I was just trying to do what I knew how to do from a filmmaker production standpoint. Um, but when it started, I was like getting more photography weddings than video because video wasn't that popular yet. Yeah. I and mean, this is 20, 2013, 10 years ago. Yeah. Um, it's, and if it was around it it wasn't good like yeah. even when i got married myself like i didn't have a video done which is so odd to say because there was just there was nothing that was catching my attention that i thought would be worthy of the investment of it so photography is where it started and i was shooting on film photography i was on a contact 645 i was trying to run with the big boys who are doing it really really well and and trying to make friendships and learning that model of how do you do fine art wedding photography and editorial work and do it well. And so when I started getting into wedding films more and realized that's where my passion was more aligned, it was trying to, you take the eye of what they have and you, you have to understand what they're trying to accomplish. Cause I feel like light is harder for the photographers than it is for a cinematographer. Um, totally agree. And yep. so you, you, you kind of start building that trust being like, Hey, I'll, I'm going to, you know, I'm here. We're, we're advocates for the couple, but let me know what you need. I'm going to back you up. You know, I'm not going to interject a ton. I'm going to, if I'm, you know, grazing your shot, just let me know. Just, you know, strong communication, um, building that kind of like friendship. So they also feel like they can trust you on the day that, you know, it's colleague work. It's not one greater than the other. It's not, I'm better at my craft than you or the whole competition model. Yeah. It's Dude. really understanding what they're trying to accomplish and hope that you can communicate to them as well as what you're trying to accomplish. And then hopefully you build that kind of tandem on the day of being like, let's stack hands, man. Let's make this a great day for our clients, which is the couple. Let's celebrate them. Let's advocate for them. Let's just do good work that we both are really proud of and, and, and try to build that strong relationship. 
So I always look, I'm always kind of gazing what lens they're using. So I know how tight or not tight I might be able to go. And then those situations just communicate being like, Hey, when you're, when you're done with this shot, is it okay if I frame something up? I've nine times out of 10, they're always like, Oh, absolutely. Like, because I'm communicating, I'm not trying to rush in while they're framing something. I, I give them their moment with knowing that they're going to give me mine, I guess is, is the better yeah. take. And I think photographers really appreciate that. You know, I'm, I'm attempting to speak their language. It's like when you travel, you know, and you, you've picked up a little bit of Spanish. Yeah. <laughs> it may not be great, but, but the, but the locals might be a little bit uh, happier that you're trying. Yeah. And, I actually then, you know, think that's like one of the biggest things, like, cause I don't know if you know, binge, but we were talking about binge before the show and like binge will always yeah. say like, what's important. Like what I was always taught is look at the other person's focal length and just do longer. <laughs> right. You know, and that's, yeah. you can't always do that, but, but in general, it's like, the idea of like, hey, I literally every wedding, Jared, ask the photographer I'm working with, what focal length are you on during every portrait yeah. session? And they're always like, oh, I'm on 50. Yeah. Oh, okay, I'm on a crop sensor, so blah. And like, I should be able to do like, I don't know that it matters, but I've always imagined that they appreciate it. Like, <laughs> it's like I, I, think, I think just knowing that the person you're working with wants you to succeed matters a lot. And they're just thinking about you and being conscious. I, I think that's a, a huge thing. It, Andrew, your, your perspective is so interesting because having your work be so cinematic, you know, I think some other filmmakers might be like, oh, he must be asking for like 50-50 time. Like you do photography and now it's video time. And like I've seen a lot of filmmakers, especially a lot of inexperienced filmmakers be like, hey, this is what I expect of my films. And seeing someone like you who's successful, whose work is just gorgeous, be like, you know, at the end of the photographer's, you know, session, I nine times out of 10, I'll be able to have my own kind of thing, but I'm not kind of forcing the issue. I'm still making friendships. I'm not, you know, throwing my elbows around. I think that's so important for wedding filmmakers to hear because you don't want to be that guy. You know, you want to make friends. Yeah. You want to, you know, uh, we have endless guests come on and just be like, it's a team effort, right? To get what you want, you have to be a good team member. And so that everyone's getting exactly what they want. Still speak up. I think that's important. But at the end of the day, like, hey, this is a team. We're a unit. Like, um, and, and see, hearing a photographer's perspective on uh, wedding filmmaking, I think is uh, a big deal. So. Yeah. And I think, I mean, light, when it comes to both genres, light matters. Yeah. Everyone's looking for like the best light, the best location. And, you know, the photographer is going to create a static moment. And so within that, you know, as, as a filmmaker, you could take and kind of see, okay, I see what he's going for. I, I see the ultimate goal of where he's trying to go, but I might have them move a different way. Yeah. So it's just, you just, you just communicate that, you yeah. know, and or or you communicate on on location option and being like oh my gosh that light over there is so cool what do you think about that yeah those little things like that and you know as a photographer like i love the collaboration as a cinematographer and i think most photographers now obviously i'm saying all photographers are like that i mean i've been doing this 10 years i've had some pretty horrific experiences i won't say any names um <laughs> oh that was my next question but <laughs> who is your least favorite who's the worst yeah, no. <laughs> I, I have so, some stories too. So yeah, yeah we... <laughs> I, I think I love that uh, discussion about light and, and even talking about like composition. I don't think a lot of filmmakers understand that photographers need symmetry in a way that 
filmmakers can kind of skirt around a little bit, I think. Like, you have to have the rock behind the couple in a certain place. Where video, you can kind of, like, zoom in and get your letterbox thing and, like, make the make things look pretty cinematic well and you have motion that's i think the biggest thing is is like like one of the and you guys i'm not a i'm not a photographer so my from my perspective i think a lot of photographers like boring light i'm always like all they want is flat light they're looking for a place where they can have them walk and it's all shadow the whole time or everything is just and i'm always like Oh, let's get. I want motion in my light. I want to use flares because yeah. I'm trying to create, yeah, that movement. And but I understand that, and I think that's the difference. Is like I'm watching this photographer, and I'm like, I look at their Instagram. I'm like, okay, this is all. They're gonna pop those highlights in post. They're gonna do X, Y, and Z. Everything's gonna be done in post. It's like they can't have anything. They can't lose any information in their sensor. Everything has to be blah. I'm not going to ask that guy to do something that's going to ruin his look. Mm-hmm. Like whatever he's setting up, that's what he's comfortable editing. That's what he's comfortable delivering. And that's what the couple paid for. They paid mm-hmm. for that look. And, and I think that's important for you to know. I think it's also important to know that every, and you guys can also correct me if I'm wrong here. Every so often people get in ruts creatively. And if you got a good idea and you let them do their thing, make sure they're like, hey, I can go home from this wedding and I have a nice little portfolio. And then you can say, can we try that light over there? Every so often, I've done this so many times, Jared, where I present a certain light environment to someone and they, the photographers have said to me afterwards, I would have never thought to choose that light. But I love my photos. Hmm. Right? Yeah. And I think it's like that empathy, listening, caring, yep. noticing, um, and realizing like what I am trying to do is different. Come along with me. Like we're on the same team. Let's yeah. do it. So we're on the subject because I'm not a photographer. Like I said, I would love to hear from a photographer's perspective, how you have taken your posing editorial skills and kind of like, how does that directly translate into your filmmaking skills? And I think in particular, I'm always interested in the posing and working with people in that portrait environment. Yeah. See, so for me, I think I think I've benefited coming from a cinematography background going into photography. Okay, interesting. Because I was always always motion conscious. Uh, I call it create. I always call it creating the scene. I'm gonna give them a home base, but I want them to move and freely move within that. You know, as if I'm setting up a scene that I'm gonna direct. Um, so I do that. How I would frame up something for cinematography is how I frame it up for photography. So it, it gives me the la- the latitude to be able to kind of create a similar look between photo and video because at the end of the day, like they are to me that they are the same thing. I mean, you're literally looking at a static moment to a motion picture. I I love approaching them the same way I would. Obviously, the technicals change just slightly, but I like posing that feels authentic to something that would be in a in a movie, not. Not the parent pose, which obviously that stuff's important. I mean, the photographer, and I'm sure every photographer is like, yeah, we have to get that. It's not, I want to get that. It's, we need the picture that the parents are going to print and put on the mantle. Otherwise, we're going to have a conversation after. Yeah, it's an, about, it's efficient to get it done that way. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But then you get these moments of like, okay, man, let's let's ramp up the romance. Let's add in some movement. Let's add in some motion. Like one of my favorite poses is one to backlight because I'm, coming from cinematography. I want 
to be able to move and see the light change on their faces Me or too. cut through or do something different. Um, and I like to get them backlit, bring them together. And then I tell the, the bride to essentially like tease the groom with a kiss, like flirt with him to the max without kissing. They may feel awkward, but you're having them sway, move. She can kind of go wherever she wants to go. And you can create this moment in photography that looks stunning and beautiful as if there's movement and it's authentic and it's not posed. It's, it's them being in a moment together, but for cinema, then also you can have these pan ins and outs, this rack focus, this movement, this big, and it creates this little, just intimate, subtle moment, this little beat in between the chaos of the day where something's being told, something's being said. And you're not sure what it is is because that's just between the couple and the way that they interact with each other and flirt with each other. And so the way I pose is, is from that. So I'm, I'm inversed when I'm doing photography, I'm thinking about cinematography and that's a blessing. But do Um, you find though that like that direct, cause and then Jared too, I'd love to hear from this. Like I think how the posing works is one thing. A lot of filmmakers have never posed anyone. Yeah. Right. Because they're coming from documentary, they show up, they're just riding the coattails they're shooting over the shoulder of the photographer and in some environments you don't get to, right? There's only one session and it is what it is. You got five minutes with the couple. I've been to those weddings. And so they kind of show up and they shoot a pretty good film off the, you know, off the photographer's poses. What would you say to a filmmaker who is like, okay, I want to start posing people and getting them to feel comfortable on camera the way the photographer does. I want to know what to say. Cause sometimes they'll be like, Oh, hey, do you need anything? And, you know, we work with enough filmmakers. I've almost never heard a filmmaker say, can we have them do X, Y, and Z? Or even talk to the couple and be like, let me, oh, that's so good. Let me inspire you. Let me get you, like, kind of you're putting that in there. So what would you say to a filmmaker who's like, okay, I suck at posing. I'm very uncomfortable with it. I don't know what to do. It just feels weird telling people to kiss and touch and all that stuff. What would you say to them to get them more comfortable, to get them started with posing? Yeah. First, call up some really good friends. That's a couple. Go do a practice session. Go go out at sunset to a, a great location and and just try different things. Yeah. That with them. Like just try different camera, different lenses, different combos, different, you know, for me in those situations, I love shallow depth. I will be down at 1.2, 1.4, I will let my camera come in and out of focus and, and to create that kind of environment, that that moment, you know, try different frame rate. Like literally just go start having some fun and trying different looks that you want to implement into the way you might do a film. Because you, it's the same as working out. You have to build that muscle. You have to get that repetition going so that you can get really strong at it and more confident that you can handle the weight when you're in those certain situations. Yeah. Another way too is, is bring some music like in those situations. I mean, I always have a like a Bose Bluetooth speaker um, with different film playlists I've made for particular different moments or certain music because it might calm the couple to feel and see what you're trying to do in the camera. Mm. You know, like they can hear a song and just kind of take that and, you know, and, and I'm always telling couples too, like, I'm not here. Just, just be in it. Just even if you just need to close your eyes 
and you just need to like feel each other breathe for a second. Like that's great. Like, and go for it because you're not giving them this like massive action being like, okay, now cry, now laugh, now hug, now kiss, now make out. It's like, you, you can really lean into these like tender, soft, unspoken moments. And I think that's what a lot of people maybe are afraid to do or they don't want to lean in to do, or they're afraid they're going to step on the photographer's toes. And I'm letting people know, like, as long as you're just kind and communicate and you're practicing and you feel like you're a little bit prepared to try something, just go for it. Yeah. I mean, what's the worst, what's the worst that can happen? The couple yeah. says no, or the yeah. photographer acts like a little bit irritated for two seconds yeah. it, it, in the span of a 10 hour shoot day. Like the photographer can be irritated for five minutes because <laughs> you're also trying to do a good job for your client yeah. and that's okay. Yeah, I, I I think exactly what you said. Just go for it. I think a lot of people are so nervous about just like trying something and and failing that they don't do anything. And it's like at the end of the day, if you fail, you just move on. If that pose didn't work out the way you yeah. want, how many times have you worked and you're like, that wasn't it? But we're gonna just keep on going. Well, the couple doesn't even have to know that it wasn't what you wanted. You just move on to the next thing, and things you know turn out great. And like uh, Jose Villa wrote his book. Um, I probably read it. 10 years ago when it first came out. And I remember him talking about like posing his couples and he was like, you know, I'll have people walk. And then I'll say, as they're walking, as you're walking, lean in for a kiss. Not because he wants them to kiss. It's because he wants them to like butt heads and then laugh about it afterwards. And just like little things like that, just have them do something that maybe is throwing them off. That doesn't make them feel super stiff. That's, that's the main thing. It's I like, always get them like, moving every year. I'm always like trying to work on the perfect prompts the perfect way of describing what I want them to do. And usually I find out like every person is so different that I might as well just say whatever's on my head <laughs> because it's like, I could say to one person like, Hey, take your ring and like futz with your ring. Like just kind of wiggle it around. I just want to see that motion. And one person's like, I got it. You know, I know exactly what to do. Other person's like, they have no idea. Well, like, and it's like, okay, move on. Got to, try another one try another one and i would just tell people like the biggest tip i would give people is you must be verbal mm -hmm. you have to verbalize if you don't verbalize and i and i'm not saying yell or whatever match the energy yeah. if you want if, but like you have to be verbal you have to communicate if you want to learn to do posing yeah. that's the biggest thing i've learned from watching photographers is like every photographer i know they have command over the situation they don't just let it happen yep. even though when they're like oh we let this moment happen it's like well yeah kind of but you said the most beautiful thing you could ever say right before it in the best tone of voice you could ever say creed and you brought a freaking stereo with you yeah so so you didn't just let it happen you yeah. made it happen yeah yeah and i'll say i'll say this too coming from photography i feel like every photographer they're in a rut on the wedding day like it's not like uh occasionally they're in a rut in the rhythm like every day they're gonna have a, a situation or a moment where they're not fully sure where to go how to pose them what to do that exists and having cinematographers that are like idea driven being like what do you think about that or whatever yeah they might just be like thank you like someone else right. is contributing to this moment as a team and it ends up giving them a photo or a moment or a pose that actually worked out for them. Yeah, you had like unlocked well, you know, them. It yeah, it, exactly. Because I think I think photographers get tired of cinematographers, like you said, showing up and riding riding their coattails the whole day. Essentially, like 
well, oh, that's a cool post. Like always over the shoulder, just taking their poses and then posting their work being like, look at this film I did as if, you know, they were implementing creative direction and, and light choice and this. And so I think that level of just collaboration communication goes a long way. Um, yeah. So like this weekend I was in Miami, um, we were filming at Vizcaya, which is, it looks like Tulum. It's just this massive jungle looking garden on the ocean. And the photographer thankfully loves light just like as much as I do. So he had picked the spot and picked a moment and we were in collaboration. And then when it was, I just asked him, Hey, when you're done with your shot is okay. If I frame something, and he, of course, he's like, of course. So once he's done, I asked the couple then to practice their first dance in this structure, in this perfect beam of light. And then because I implemented that and now we have movement and I can do pan ins and this, he was shooting just as much as I was and like loving it because also now his couple was doing these, you know, these authentic movements and swings and he dipped her and the photographer like loved it. And then of course he asked him then to like recreate the dip in a more static situation. And, you know, and then we're all, we all high-fived and we like moved on to the and next scene fun. because everyone you had a good time. Yeah. It was, yeah. The couple's having fun. We're having fun. Everyone's in light spirits because we know the ultimate goal when you're going into these is you're working for this sweet couple that is getting married, like full stop. That's it. You're not hired. You're not working for the planner. You're not competing with a photographer. You know, it's, it's you and yourself and your creativity doing your best to make this couple shine. Some, some weddings, you're going to get that creative freedom. Others, you're not. But at the end of the day, you're still going to walk away and make something I think that you're really proud of, even if it was technically a hard day. Well, that's what and Lindsay, so. Lindsay tells that story. He says, like, I was shooting this wedding with this big photographer. And he was, like, super nervous because he didn't want to, like, step on their toes. Lindsay from LaRev. And, and then he's like, the guy goes, oh, do you want to do anything? And he's like, I'm good. And the photographer pulls him aside later in the day and he goes, listen, like, if I ask you if you want to do anything, can you please do something? Because I'm out of ideas. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He's like, I'm just trying to buy time until I can like think of the next thing I want to be doing with the couple and whatnot. And, and that was like eye opening for Lindsay, definitely eye opening for me when I heard it, I was like, ah, like, that's like, what they mean when they ask you if you want anything. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe not all of them, but I do think in general, when I have enough photographers I work with that I feel collaborative with yeah. to know that, we're pulling ideas out of each other. Yeah, it's exhausting. I mean, giving people direction, I mean, taking direction, being an actor is tiring, uh, but also when you're actually being the person to like give idea, give idea, like I need to have a little bit of perspective. So giving that perspective to a photographer while they're working and you're kind of hopping in, doing a little bit of posing, gives them maybe a little bit of time to regenerate. A little breather. Yep. Uh, yeah. Take a look at, you know, some places that might have some decent light and just, yeah. I mean, think about how many as a filmmaker, how much of the day you're just sitting there fixing your camera or doing something. That photographer is interacting with people right. all day. Right. I can, like, go off and sit around and, yeah. like, do whatever I want to do. No one talks to me. Yeah. No one really needs me to be anywhere. I do whatever I want. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've I've always said my and my team always laughs at this that like the, being a, the wedding photographer on the day is the day is harder. Yes, the edit's easier. The day is so hard. Everyone is looking to you to make decisions, to pick the light, yep. to pick the poses. Family members are coming to you with their grievances. Like like and then as a filmmaker, the day is way easier. I feel like because no one's coming to you to make those decisions, and then post-production's 
5,000 times harder because <laughs> you have so much that, that you're navigating and that you need to be technically savvy in, you know, like photographers are never going to have to worry about audio, which that in itself alone is, I mean, so difficult. I mean, you guys can relate to that and how much can go wrong just trying to even get decent. I'm not talking clean audio. I mean, decent. Oh, audio. like I mean, it's live event audio is hard. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's brutal. Um, I was going to ask about Super 8, Jared. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Um, so I like shooting Super 8 from time to time. Um, what I like about Super 8 is I just don't care how it looks. I just turn it on and shoot it at <laughs> things. But in general, um, obviously, there's more to it than just pointing at something. Um, what do you love the most about that medium? Oh, I, I just love its romance. I love its warmth. I love its nostalgia. I love how the most mundane thing can be shot on 8mm. And then it's attractive all of a sudden. And, and so, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a medium that I learned to use when I was in college at film school. It's something I've always leaned into and used for home life. Uh, I use it for my kids, like birthday parties. Like I put away all the digitals. Like we just, we shoot birthday parties on eight mil and, and I love having those. Like my first child's birth is all in eight millimeter and it's, it's dark, but I love it because it was in a hospital and I could rewatch it with no audio or with music or whatever I want all the time. And, and there's something so timeless about film, regardless of the film stock, you know, from eight mil to what 75, what is it? Nolan even using like 75 millimeter yeah, yeah, yeah. stuff on in, um, it just, it has a different look. It's attractive and you can't imitate it. I think that's the other aspect of it. Cause I've seen people shoot digital and then try to make it look like eight mil. And I can call that out almost nine times. Well, out of 10. like there's something about actually... like the natural softness that mm -hmm. you get from film, the color. Okay. All that stuff. To me, it's always about the softness with the grain. It's, it's like that, that look where, and even like the, like the dimensionality of any camera, like where is the gun stock? Like, yeah. where are you holding the camera that tells you how it moves and all that stuff. So it just, you would have to have every, like you could never reproduce it. Even just the motion doesn't look the, the same. The pop zooms that you can do with a super eight. That's, yes. that's appropriate. And it just seems like dad's, you know, super eight in, in operating it. It's, yeah. It's, there, kind of it's, awesome. it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. So yeah. you, so you're like the medium you're using the medium. Um, mm. how is that like, distinctly uncinematic thing kind of um be, being implemented i think into a very cinematic workflow how does how do you find that those things can naturally just coalesce when you're putting a piece together where you have this like huge drive for storytelling and cinema cinematography and you know more of like a film school style mixed with this like raw authenticity that comes with super eight yeah, I think I think right there it comes down to what we talked about earlier of, of like a good story narrative, a good three act structure that you're applying to weddings. And so you look at someone like a Quentin Tarantino who who uses different film mediums in his stories and it doesn't lose any essence of its cinematic line because they're all aiding the overall story. And so to me having that medium which quiet scenes a little bit it softens things a little bit in be between the big push-ins the big shots the big movement um i just i i call them like these little 
these little beats as if you're writing a script, you're, you're allowing it to take a quick pause and remind people of the intimacy of what this day really is. Um, I like to give the camera to the couple, usually at least at one point in the day when I know it's pretty, they can't fail at it. <laughs> I set it up. We have good, good light. And then I, I give it to them one by one. I say, okay, direct your partner. And I teach them how to just hold the trigger and make sure I have enough film to back it up. And they love it. And then we film them doing that on digital. So now I have this juxtaposition of being able to go from like a panning shot of like, you know, the groom using the eight mil to then the actual cut shot of the bride doing her dance or showing her ring or whatever it is on the eight mil. And to me right there, that just continues that story arc of like their narrative. It allows them to show a little bit about who they are because I'm not in control of what he's going to say or, you know, what they want each other to do or how they're going to laugh or what kind of moment it's going to create. We just, we let it be. Yep. And eight mils is the format that can translate that mm-hmm. really, really well. Yeah. And so I love that. I think a lot of filmmakers, wedding filmmakers, um, pretty unsophisticated in how they think about story structure. Not to rip on you guys that are listening, but let's be honest. And there's a reason we have our tropes and we know about how it works. And I love the idea of like, the medium is the perspective shift, not the person. Like in a normal movie, you could say like, okay, we're going from first person to third person, or we're going to like a Tarantino movie. We're going to follow Bruce Willis for a while. And then we're going to follow this character for a while. And so you get a lot of perspectives. You tell a more 3d story. You don't get to do that wedding films all the time, at least. And so when you present these still moments, it's, it's shot totally differently it's coming from a totally different place. And like, whether it be 16 mil or eight mil or dad cams, VH, like all that stuff, thinking about your work and saying, how do I present multiples of perspectives? It could be all on the same camera, but you shoot it differently. Sometimes you're shooting hand. That's why I like to shoot dance floor handheld. I don't do camera whips except on a dance floor. Pretty much. Yeah. Right. It's like, well, this is the perspective. I'm trying to create that perspective. And I think, Showing multiples of perspectives is wedding filmmaking. That's how you can tell a more diverse story without getting a bunch of, I've always resisted, Andrew. People go, oh, like what kind of, what are your wedding films like? Oh, I like story. I'm like, what do you mean by story? Lots of voiceover from the day. And I'm like, that's, would you watch that movie? Would you watch a movie that was like, this is the story arc. Guy wakes up, has a good morning has an even better afternoon. And by the end of the day, things are really good for this guy. <laughs> Credits. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's like, that's not a good story. There's no, there's no tension. There's no arc, right? And I think you can create simulated tension through having degraded footage and having a lot of different perspectives. So I love, I love that from you because I yeah. think it's such good insight and you explained it so beautifully. A- Andrew, in terms yeah, of... And it, yeah, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say, too, for people, if, if you're learning and trying, like whether you, you charge or not, like pre-wedding sessions mm-hmm. are great, too, yeah. to get that narrative. And, and then that way, too, you're also not competing with the photographer on the day because you already know you've already shot something that is very story driven that aligns with what you were trying to accomplish, which honestly takes a ton of pressure off on the wedding day because you already yep. you already have some stuff on the cutting floor and you're like, oh, well, we already have this. We have this. Yeah. OK, it's cool if that we miss that doesn't happen or this different thing happens. And so with the eight mil, a lot of times we'll do that session on eight millimeter footage where I get full control with the couple to direct and do different things like that. Or 
sometimes I've done it the day after the wedding because that's when the couple was free and that's when they wanted to go, you know, shoot something, wear something different, different location and, and get a little bit more creative and, and get a little more deeper into into that story arc, um, which is great. It's great when you have it. You don't always get it, but it is something to consider, you know, designing into how you might tell your story or what you're engaging the couple to do. Yep. Andrew, talk a little bit like practically someone who might be like a little bit intimidated getting into film because it's an actual like physical medium. Um, kind of break down your, your process, like someone who's just starting off, like what kind of camera should they get into? Who's your lab? Do they make it easy for you? Kind of mm -hmm. break down just what your process is there. Yeah. So one, I would say you have to be, don't, don't do this or add this medium if you're like, oh, it'll make me some money or it's yeah. like, I need another gimmick or this. Be passionate about like movies and this medium. Otherwise, don't do it at all because it'll show yeah. in, in the quality of your work and how you process it. If you're into that, I can't recommend um, Pro 8mm enough. They're in Burbank. I'm sure everyone who, who's shooting on 8mm, they know them. Um, I've been developing with them for a long time. I actually have the Canon 814s. You got um, that? I Well, I had two of them that I bought off eBay years ago yeah. that I'd been using. And then when they started refurbishing them, I just called them. I was like, hey, can you guys just do mine? And because I've used them so much, they were yeah. like, yeah, just send it over. So like Same. they they redid my Canon 814s that I already had. Yeah, and, just, and just let me just pause you there because I think it's important for yeah. you to know. If you are if you want to get into Super 8, and you buy cameras, most of them are actual garbage. They don't work. There's so many issues that can happen with them, whether it be the internal batteries leaking, causing corrosion, um, fungus growing in the in internal lenses, all kinds of issues. So make sure, like I, when I buy Super 8s on eBay, sometimes I'll buy five at a time because I'll just be like, and eh, one of them is good. Like only one or two of them are going to be halfway decent. Um, so, but that being said, like um, Andrew mentioned, Super or Pro 8, um, not only do they do film development and I think they, I don't know if they actually make the film, but they sell film. They do uh, a lot of cool stuff. And one of the cool things they do is they refurbish and almost like modernize a lot of these cameras. So if you really want to get into it, um, um, just know that a lot of stuff you're going to buy on eBay is not going to work and you might want to consider that. Yeah. 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 And, and, and anyone that has, messaged me on Instagram and had questions about it or, you know, if I've had different assistants come along and, and then they, at the end of the day, they're like in love with the format and shooting on the eight mil. I send them all directly to pro eight millimeter and say, don't take the risk. It's an investment. If it's an investment for you, just buy what they've modded out. They have three different versions. They have their, their, their highest tier one, which I think is around like five grand. So that's like, if yeah. you really want to go hard, like go for that. Um, I can't recommend the Canon 814s enough, which is their mid-tier. Yeah, it's simplicity. Um, and, I, and, and I say that because, one, you get control over frame rate on the 8mm, which is hard to find. So yeah. to be able to change that from 18 frames per second to actual 24, so if you're doing hybrid films, you have a, a matching frame rate. It's fantastic. And then they do the mod. They get rid of the mercury battery, so you don't have to worry about the light meter having to use mercury and everything runs through just AA batteries, including your light meter. So you can either switch to manual and change your aperture you want, or you can just leave it on auto and let that thing sit wide open, and the light meter is going to adjust based on the, the speed of the film that you put in. Yeah. So like you said, 
it, it removes the ability to really fail. As long as you are lighting it well, you're going to have a blast and you're going to be super excited to get your film back and then kind of see, have that realization of like what that moment looked like. How did that play out? How did, you know, light move or, or not move and, and different things like that. And it's, it's such a thrill. I mean, I love, I love yeah. it. I love sending film out and, and getting it back yeah. from, for and, a motion picture standpoint. And, yeah. and pro eight that correct me if I'm wrong, but they have a, a program where you buy the film and then you send it back to, they do kind of everything. You don't necessarily have to buy the film on like, B and H and then send it separately. Like you buy these packages and they'll be like, yeah, we'll send you the film, do the entire process and you kind of buy it all up front. Um, is that kind of what you do or do you kind of play around with your own film stock? What, what's uh, the process there? Yeah. For a while I was ordering directly from Kodak. Yeah. Um, or, or like my favorite. And I love this. I love supporting local shops. So if anyone knows Same. Sammy's cameras, Oh yeah, yeah. Um, yep. like, like Sammy's sells eight Kodak eight millimeter. So for a while, I'll just drive. It's a, I mean, it's a drive, but I love supporting that the local Photoshop. So I would drive in and buy directly from them. But um, but cost wise, yes, it's it's more efficient to buy the um the different film variations that Pro 8's mixing, which is they're still using the same stocks as Kodaks. So you're gonna have you know 500T to 200T, 200, and and I can get into like all the <laughs> I do a whole the geek talk about yeah yeah like. What does T mean? What does D mean? What does 50 do? Like, how is that going to respond to light and this and that? But buying them, that from them, they send it to you. You already are picking, you know, the quality of the scan you're going to get when you're done. So you shoot, you send it back, and then they're going to scan and digitize it based on what you selected. And then for me, they just put it on a hard drive and then they mail it back to me. What I like about what they do over there is they also do a uh, a Rec 709 correction if you want it, which, Mm -hmm. which, you know, it's not that hard to correct that footage or whatever. So you don't have to pay for that. But you could literally order footage, get it scanned 4K, which a lot of actual people won't scan Super 8 4K. Um, so they, I believe they do, right? Is it a 2K scan or a 4K scan? Oh, no. They, I think they do up to a 6K yeah, scan. Yeah, they use, though. like, wow. I mean, I'm... Yeah, yeah so I all get that a good 5K, stuff. 5K scan. Yep, 5K, 4x3 four by, four, four by frames, because I don't like seeing the sprocket. Yeah. I know a lot of people like to keep the sprocket in, yeah. their, in their process because they think it makes Super 8 footage look more Super 8, but... I like to see it realized, you know, yeah. as if as if I made a movie. And, I like to be able to crop it as I, much I as I never want. Show I want to be able to like crop thing. it any way I want vertically. So having yeah. those extra pixels, but regardless, they'll also color correct it and give it like a little more yeah. saturation. And so they could do whatever you want. Yeah. I, they're, they're a great company. We use uh, Film Lab. Um, okay. Because they're in our area. They're in New Bedford. They're like 30 minutes Isn't from us. Tricolor? Isn't that what they're called? No, Tricolor is a, is a Kodak black and white stock I thought that was the name of the yeah. thing though no, but f- film the, the thing i like about pro 8 though is they will always pick up the, the phone too yes. and like talk you through your process um which you know is just like they're they're fairly big i feel like everyone who, who uses film knows about pro 8 um mm-hmm. but you can always get someone on the phone and they'll just shoot the shit with you and by the way this is not a sponsor of our show or whatever <laughs> yeah, no <laughs> like, they're great though but we good resource they're just one of the few companies that is um, modernizing Super 8 niche and uh, do, you re- do you remember the Super 8 that Kodak was like said they were going to release oh yeah I, know. I was I, so excited about it I was, I, 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 I was talking I was talking to reps in, in New York years ago about it and, and being at you know like 
conversations and trade shows and they just and like they had quotes from like christopher nolan talking about the medium on the website and then <laughs> just nothing yeah i talked to the nothing. rep last year yeah if you talk to him now they'll still tease you about it man. yeah don't, he was like oh no no hole. he was like we're still i was like okay yeah <laughs> anyway we prove were it. ready to like That's what I say, prove it yeah yeah we were ready for the whole I, thing. I would i would give them three grand for that yep like i don't know why yeah. i just uh, well, because I remember, I think it like had like, like some digital component to it. Yeah, like time code. Yeah, it was, supposed, it was supposed to be the available. the The vision was that you had a digital screen to see how it was going to light. Yes. Before you then pulled the trigger, which yeah. that would be it's game changer. Mm-hmm. The the ability to have control and and visibility before you record to the film stock. I mean, can you imagine built in ND filters too? Yeah. Yeah, I mean. It would be phenomenal. I anyway. don't know why they're not moving it, but I love this conversation because when I was first started out in eight mil, you know, I was asking questions, but I mean, this was years ago. So it's like, I could only lean into who might be doing it or who have I worked with who's testing it. So for me, um, that was Amy McVeigh, Eric McVeigh's wife. Oh, yeah, She had been doing some super eight when Eric would shoot and same with Joel Serrato, uh, Jose Villa's husband, like he had been shooting some super eight. And so when I first, it was just sending out an ask, just being like, Hey, like, what are you, who are you developing? You know, and this, and I love creative collaboration. I love that they weren't like, Oh, well, let me, let me sell you my, my packet on how I use eight mil. They're just like, Oh yeah, totally. This is, this is who I use, whatever, like go at it, have a blast. And I think that's why my posture is also like, the creative community like just ask and then geek out over conversations oh and um, it's it's supposed to be fun They're, like if you if you want me to do a business coaching for you you better pay me but <laughs> but if you want to talk about cameras i'll talk about cameras for free all day totally totally <laughs> yeah. yeah all day forever forever i i think it's it's important for a lot of people out there to realize like how small the community is too like you know we have we have 16,000 people in the wedding film school, like Facebook group. Um, you know, probably about half of that is active or maybe even still on Facebook, but, <laughs> uh, it is a small community. So like if you're out there and you want to know something, all you have to do is ask. Most people are just normal yeah. dudes. Like reach out to Andrew. I know that's something that's important to you. Reach out to us even on our, um, Instagram account. And, um, you know, all you have to do is ask guys and, uh, People are, are plenty willing to offer plenty of great advice. So, um, Andrew, thank you so much for your time, dude. Um, it's been a long time coming. We've wanted to have you on the podcast. Thanks for, for rescheduling. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and, um, you know, yeah, no worries. Good, good luck with your move uh, coming up quickly. That's going to be pretty intense. Um, anything else that you want to add? Before are you selling anything? Is yeah. there anything anyone can buy from you? <laughs> Do you have three uh, sets? N- no, no. I am taking taking everything with me, and I don't sell anything. Um, eventually, I might offer uh, mentorships, uh, but for right now, I'm just I'm just a guy with a camera that loves to go out and tell good stories and and chat with anyone and everyone all the time. Um, yeah. So I'm I'm excited to build a, a stronger Nashville community. Um, I have a lot of colleagues and and coordinators out there. Um, that are phenomenal what they do. And I'm actually excited to be able to get coffee with them and not just see them a couple times a year at a wedding, uh, which is going to be pretty cool. So yeah, guys follow Andrew on Instagram. We'll link his profile below. Besides that, Andrew, thanks for coming on the wedding film school show. And we'll see everyone again next week. Same time.
Thank you. Thanks, guys.